Hello podcasts, welcome to the Bible Project Daily Podcast. And the project is to work through the entire Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. It's really great that you've decided to join with me and a very special welcome if you're here because you've made the decision to make the study of the Word of God part of the rhythm of your daily lives for however long it takes to complete this project. And if you're here for the first time, you are also especially welcome. And please, you have the opportunity today to make the decision to maybe subscribe so that you don't miss another episode and that you too can go on this entire journey through the whole Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. And if you are here for the first time, do hang around at the end and I'll update you on lots of ways that you can connect with this ministry and receive other free teaching resources. So with that said, we'll drop back in and pick up the text in Matthew where we left off last time. And I'll see you at the end. Bye-bye for now. Okay, my pod friends, here we are today and we're starting a new section, which is just closing off the end of Matthew chapter 10, the last uh, three verses or so. And it's talking about over today and tomorrow, I think it will be, I'm asking the question, how can we get, get to this unusual thing that's referred to here in this passage called a prophet's reward. Now, something happened to me yesterday uh, when I finished the podcast episode yesterday, something that hasn't actually happened to me for about five years. Very occasionally when I preached, every once in a while, someone will hear a sermon and say to me that they have a problem with what I preached. Now, that doesn't happen very often, but a more common occurrence for me is that after giving a message and I've gone back and listened to it, I thought, you know what? I think I've missed something out of this. Well, if you've been following me along on this journey through Matthew, in fact, season three of our series, Working Through the Whole Bible, you'll know that particularly over the last couple of days, I've been working through Matthew chapter 10, where Jesus is seen to give instructions to his apostles, his disciples, and he sends them out initially to preach in Israel. And the point I was making yesterday, as I looked towards the end of this passage about the commission that Jesus is giving these guys, Jesus talks to them about, well, he warns them, in fact, about the fact that there's going to be suffering involved in his service. If you're going to serve the Lord, you're going to meet opposition, he says. And I talked about those things and the type of opposition that people, that they might face today. And of course, by nature, we too, to some level, might also face as followers of him. Things like being falsely accused, he warned them about, and getting into all kinds of conflict. And then towards the end of the the message yesterday, I tried to offer some encouragement by reminding you that Jesus himself said, do not be afraid because God is in control. But the big thing, the big point I made is that God is going to reward those who are in his service and specifically to reward those who have been persecuted. So I'd got all that teaching done yesterday and I uploaded the message and it immediately hit me when I just listened to a bit of it back. I, have I really got to the end of this? I said, firstly, one, he commissions us to serve the Lord. He commissioned them and he commissions us today. Secondly, they and we by nature are going to face opposition, maybe even attack. But third, reminding us that in all that, we're going to be rewarded. 
But then I had a thought afterwards and a problem popped up in my mind. I thought maybe I should have said something about addresses the question that might naturally have popped into the mind of the listener yesterday, which asked the question, does that mean you have to suffer to be rewarded? Now, I know none of us want are going to hope that the answer to that question is yes, but there are rewards awaiting for people who've, who've suffered persecution and they will get rewarded. But if you suffer, do you get a bigger reward? And maybe that's a problem that we need to think about and address. Because frankly, when I compare what I've gone through in my life compared to what I know others have gone through, not just in church history, but right up to today, for their decision to follow Christ, I have to say that on the great scheme of things, I haven't really suffered. You know, you only have to look at back in history to, and read a book like Fox's Book of Martyrs to know what most of these guys faced, these men and women faced in life, and to say it's nothing compared to what we have to face in the West, in the modern West today. They had to face up to torture, persecution. Now, I am aware that some people today can face those things in some countries around the world, but again, all of that just asks the question I'm asking today, is do you have to suffer in that way to gain the big reward? Well, thankfully, I don't have to go back over the same verses again today. I'm sure you'll be relieved to hear. Because I did then remember that this commission of his disciples that has occurred here, given by Jesus, isn't finished yet. So my problem will get resolved by just reading and studying the rest of this chapter together, these last three or four verses. And I think that within these last verses is an incredibly important spiritual issue that is revealed here right at the close of Matthew chapter 10. So today I want us to talk about rewards and I want to tell you how to gain what I call a prophet's reward without even you yourself having to be a prophet. So please can I draw your attention to Matthew chapter 10 and we're going to pick up where we left off yesterday at verse 40. And it's Jesus is speaking here and he says, He who receives you receives me. And he who receives me, receives him who sent me. He who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he who receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. And whoever gives one of these little ones only a cup of cold water in the name of a disciple, assuredly I say to you, he shall by no means lose his reward. All right, here we are. Clearly, this whole chapter so far has been about Jesus sending out his apostles initially to what is called to be evangelists to the house of Israel. Now, we've learned a whole lot as we've walked through this passage. Now, granted, some of the finer points that are being taught here do not apply to us today. In fact, some of it didn't even apply permanently to these disciples to whom it was given. Because we'll discover when we get to chapter 28 of Matthew, he recommissions these same apostles and sends them out to the very end of the earth. So the ministry will be recommissioned and widened in perspective later. Nevertheless, there are some spiritual truths and principles in this passage from which I believe we can learn a lot. But at this point, we've arrived at the closing verses of chapter 10 and in verse 40, He basically tells them 
and by nature us two things. Number one, he says, that he that receives you, so I just have to pause there straight away and say, first of all, he's going to talk about not just them, those disciples he's sending out, but those people upon whom they visit who receive them well. And the second thing he does is he says that those who receive you, they also receive me. So he's now not just talking directly to the apostles or talking directly about the apostles. He's talking about that first generation of people who receive the message from them. Now those, he says, and by nature I would suggest that means anyone who subsequently receives the gospel message, the good news of Jesus, is going to be rewarded. And if by doing what they do, by receiving it, they're going to gain the same reward as the person who came before them with the message. And he winds the perspective in the next verse when he says, He who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he who receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall she receive a righteous man's reward. So part of the point of this passage is to show us that those who have received the Son through the subsequent witness of other people who've come, they will gain that person's reward and what he calls here a prophet's reward. And it's important to note that they receive a prophet's reward without themselves actually being a prophet at that point. Now that sounds straightforward enough, I suppose, but it gets a little more involved. So we need to go back and just take a sort of helicopter view to try and see the wood amongst the trees here. So let's go back to just verse 40 for a second where it says, He who receives you receives me, and he who receives me receives him who sent me. This is talking about the fact that there are people who will receive the message that the apostles preach, the message about Jesus Christ, and if they receive the apostles and they receive the message, as it were, then they are receiving the message as if themselves direct from Jesus Christ himself. But notice that he also adds on to that by saying that if they receive you, by nature they've received me, and then they, them having received me, they are also receiving, accepting him who sent me. I've been sent by God the Father, Jesus says, and if they, these people, receive the message you give them, they're accepting not only me and my message, but ultimately they're believing what God has said, what God has prophesied. Now I think there are other illustrations of this type of thinking found in the Bible. I see it in the book of Jonah in the Old Testament. You may recall the story in in which we see God send Jonah to Nineveh. Well, he commissioned him to go to Nineveh, but he promptly tried to escape from that and actually did the exact opposite and headed off in the other direction. But God got his attention. I don't have time to unpack the message of Jonah for you here today. It goes beyond a remit. But suffice to say, God got his attention, turned him around. And in Jonah chapter 3, we see that Jonah went into Nineveh and he preaches. And he warns them that if, if they don't repent, God is going to bring down judgment upon that city. And then in the following verses, it tells us that the people of Nineveh actually believed God. Now, it's interesting to to me that although Jonah doubted, the people got the message through him and they believed what God said through him. And also in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul said something similar in 1 Thessalonians when he said to those folk in Thessalonica, and I quote, 
For this reason, we also thank God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, when you heard it from us, you welcomed it, not as the word of men, but as in the truth, the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. So Paul says, look, I came to Thessalonica and I preached. And thankfully, you didn't just receive what I was saying as coming from some man, from me. You took what I said as was from direct from God itself. In other words, you got the point and you believed that what I said was indeed a word from God. And that word has been taken and is now outworking in you and in your lives and in the church and in Thessalonica. So here Jesus is saying something similar. I'm sending you guys out to preach, he says. But remember, some are going to receive the message. Some are going to reject it. But some are going to receive it. And when they do, they will have by default received me. And also, which also means they're receiving the one who sent me. Which, of course, is God, the God, the creator of the universe himself. Let me just tell you. As someone who tries their best to proclaim and explain the word of God, this teaching comes as a great comfort to me and I'm sure to many others. I get all kinds of interesting comments about my sermons, particularly online, some encouraging, sometimes definitely not encouraging. But what I love most and what encourages me the most is when someone simply says, I found what you said helpful. I can now see what God is saying in this passage that you were speaking about. For me, that's the highest possible compliment you can pay a deliverer of the message of God when someone says to them, I get it now. I see not what you're saying. I see what God is saying here. And Jesus is saying that's what's going to happen to you guys, you disciples, when you preach my word. And I suppose that applies to us today. So I think the receiving of the message is part of what, the main part of what is involved here. But I think there's slightly more to it than that because we look at verse 40 again. It says, and he who receives me receives him who sent me. Now, this is not the first time the word receive occurs in the New Testament, but it's the first time in this verse that the particular word that we've translated as receive is used. People who really know Greek and the the languages of the New Testament tell me and thereby tell you that this is not the normal word for received as is normally seen in the New Testament. There are two Greek words for received. One means to receive like simply you hand something over to someone and they accept it, they receive it. But there is a second meaning and that is that type of word that is it is that particular word that is used in verse 40 at the beginning of this passage. And it means a word that means uh, yes to welcome and receive it but it has a connotation of welcoming, of welcoming someone into your home. It has an undertone of added hospitality is probably the best way I can put it. Now, many experts who have come to this passage conclude that that is what Jesus is talking about. No doubt, at the top level, he's talking about the people receiving the message that's to be preached. But beyond that, there are going to be some who will receive the messenger with open arms. In other words, draw them in and support them and their ministry so that it can go wider and be a wider effect than just the personal interaction between the two peoples. If we drop back earlier in the chapter 10 and look at verse 11, it says this, and this is important in understanding this added perspective. 
because he says in verse 11 to 14, Now whatever city or town you enter, inquire who in it is worthy, and stay there till you go out. And when you go into a household, greet it. If the household is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. And whoever will receive you nor hear your words when you depart from that house or that city, shake the dust from your feet. You see, a big portion of what is being said here in this chapter 10, the big helicopter, overall helicopter picture, is one of the disciples being commissioned. And a lot of it has simply to do with the practical things about where they're going to stay, how they're going to eat, and how their physical needs will be met, if you will. And Jesus here is specifically, in these earlier verses, talking about hospitality. So many come to this passage and look at the, the words that were chosen very carefully by Matthew in his translation of this, and they have concluded that what Jesus is really saying is not just the message of receiving the actual message itself, it's about those people who are prepared to receive you into their home, those people who are prepared to assist the gospel, to assist the preaching of the word at that time in their travels and ministry. And I'm sure it applies to us today in the same way when it comes to us supporting our local church communities and the blessings and the rewards we'll get if we do that. They, you see, in that day are helping with what you might call God's call upon the life of these disciples to do what they're doing. And that person, by receiving these people receiving the word, receiving the Lord, but receiving with that added element of hospitality, the disciples, they're supporting the ones that have been sent by God. One author I read put it like this, to pay respect to the ambassador is the same as paying respect to the king who sends him. To welcome with love the messenger of a friend is the same as welcoming the friend themselves. Now the Jews of that day always felt that to honour a person's representative was a very high calling indeed and was in fact the same as honouring the person who that individual represented. And this was particularly so in regard to wise men or rabbis or those who taught God's word. Now you may recall in the Old Testament there was a tithe gathered that they would bring the first fruits, the first portion of the crops and give it to the Lord which actually meant they came and gave it to God's worker, God's commission worker, the priest and that was how he was able to live and sustain himself. So buried within this one word received is the important aspect of hospitality. And the rabbi said that if you give hospitality to a teacher, you are doing the same as giving the first fruits of your products to the Lord at the temple. So verse 40 is telling us much more than just about receiving the message. It's about people who've made the decision to actively assist the messenger and the proliferation of the message. And that's the person who's receiving the Lord, receiving the one who sent, sent him. But now we see the clarification of what that means in the following verses, where it says, Look at the rewards, friend. He who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he who receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. 
and whoever gives one of these little ones only a cup of cold water in the name of a disciple, assuredly I say to you he shall by no means lose his reward. Immediately you will notice that there's different groups of people being talked about here and rewarded. There's a minimum of two, potentially four different types of people here. He talks about a prophet in verse 41 and he talks about a righteous man. And then he talks about these little ones. But in referring to the preacher preaching righteousness, it should immediately ring a bell in your head if you've been following me along for a while that the righteousness we're talking about here is exactly the same as the same type of inner righteousness that we went through in great detail when we journeyed together through the Sermon on the Mount. In a sense, these are the little ones, the disciples, the righteous ones, but he calls them his disciples. And by the nature of the message and the message being given as from God and received from God, these apostles, in a sense, are truly message of God. So in a very real sense, their message is God's prophetic message. Yet in the other sense, they are actually preaching inner and practical righteousness. So in one sense, these are the great disciples called out to give a message, a prophetic message of the righteousness of God and what it means for people today. And yet in another sense, they are little ones sent out, probably feeling ill-equipped and needing the help and support of those people who they first minister to and introduce the gospel to. And the real point is that if you're one of those people who receive the prophet, if you're one of these people who've welcomed the good news of, of Christ, then you should be extending your resources and your hospitality into the continuation of that, that ministry. If you help the prophet, then it tells us you will receive a prophet's reward. And if you receive a man preaching righteousness, that means welcome him, give him your hospitality, give him financial aid and support that ministry, and then you too will receive the same reward as the messenger himself will get. It says, even if you just give a cup of cold water to the little ones, then you will not surely lose your reward. My point is simply this, friends. The emphasis in these three verses is on the rewards that are going to be given and enjoyed by those people who welcome the message and the messengers of God. So putting this whole passage together, he's just saying, first of all, to those who are standing there in front of, the, of you, that I'm sending you out and some are going to, to reject you and some are going to receive you, meaning that they're not only going to receive the message, but they're going to do it in such a way that they're going to also help and support you. And the second point is to those ones who have received the message and have made the commitment to support the ministry that they will receive the same reward as anybody else who's called in the ministry of that service. Which means, like I said at the beginning, that we can in a sense all receive a prophet's reward without actually being the prophet ourselves, just by supporting that prophetic ministry. So what does that all mean for us as disciples today? How do we apply these principles and gain these blessings as modern day disciples and followers of Jesus? What does it mean practically about what we should do for you and me today? Well friends, I'll try and pick that up next time.
Okay, there we go, folks. I do hope you find that helpful. And we'll close off this message next time and think about how we might practically apply it and what it means in our lives. As I said at the beginning, if you're here for the first time, then click on that subscribe button. And that way you can make a decision today to make the study of the Bible part of the rhythm of your daily lives. These daily Bible studies are posted every day, Monday to Friday, on the bibleproject.buzzsprout.com and thereby you can get them anywhere thereafter where you receive your podcasts from and then also there's a compilation episode posted about once a fortnight at the weekend at the Living in Faith Everyday Podcast the Life Podcast at buzzsprout.com Within the episode notes on the bibleprojectbuzzsprout.com website you'll find that's the place where all the episodes are hosted And there should be a link there to a free transcript, the text of what I've said approximately, plus lots of links to other places like Facebook, YouTube, Patreon, LinkedIn, places where I share this teaching and other more formal structured discipleship courses. You're very welcome to go there and access those teaching materials, always free, always in the public domain. Now, if you're receiving this podcast, from one of those many podcast providers, I am aware that some of them don't allow active links out of the episode notes page anymore. So if you're receiving it from one of those, still subscribe in that method, but if you want to access the actual additional free teaching resources, you'll need to make a note of, of the web addresses of those places and copy and paste them into your web browser rather than clicking on through. But having said that, you are so welcome. It's such a thrill for me to know that there are so many thousands of us around the world. And I know that this podcast has been accessed in over 160 different countries worldwide. Over 200,000 daily downloads every week. And I would never have imagined that when I launched this at the tail end of the pandemic a couple of years ago. So thank you. Thank you to each and every one of you who've made the decision to journey with me and make the study, not just the reading, but the study of the Word of God part of the rhythm of your daily life also. And I do hope if you're here for the very first time, you will come back again tomorrow and that you'll not just to come back tomorrow, but every day from here on in. So thanks again, and I'll see you back here tomorrow on the Bible Project Daily Podcast. Bye-bye for now.